0: Welcome to All Students of Stanford Unite, the official podcast of the Associated Students of Stanford University and Stanford Student Enterprises. I'm your host, Cricket Vidalman. Today's guest is David Pantera, who is one of the senior class presidents. Hi, David. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Cricket. My name is David Pantera. I'm a senior in the class of 2021, born and raised in Half Moon Bay, California. My major is economics. I am minoring in medieval studies. Uh, This is my third year as a class president. Um, I also serve on Stanford's Board of Trustees, uh, where I represent the undergraduate student body.
0: You were also my predecessor as the first director of communications.
1: (laughs) That I was. (laughs) So I get
0: some shoes to fill. Anyway, what got you interested in the student government?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, I'd say... Student government is something that I've always been particularly interested in since, since middle and high school. I, I've always liked the idea of connecting like-minded individuals is how I always say it, is building community. While that uh, has stayed the same in college, the, the reason for it is definitely different. Uh, my freshman year, uh, after my freshman fall, I was charged with a violation of Stanford's honor code. The standard sanction of an honor code violation is 40 hours of community service and a one-quarter suspension. Um, And at Stanford, if you do not complete three uh, quarters within your your freshman year, you have to repeat the entirety of your freshman year. Um, And so I was on the chopping block to be suspended for my freshman spring, which means I'd have to repeat the entirety of my freshman year. It took about 12 weeks from the day I was charged until the day I sort of got my quote unquote sentence. I really isolated myself. It was, you know, that freshman fall, freshman winter uh, that part of the year where people are, are just building their community it's sort of the most important part in finding a community at Stanford where people are really forming their social circles and during that whole time I i was really isolated I didn't come out of my room much uh, my mental health was, was declining really fast I didn't seek out new opportunities to meet new people or join no, new groups and then when it came around I ended up not being suspended I ended up finishing my, my freshman year I went into my sophomore year and I didn't really have a lot of friends. I didn't really have a lot of community, and I found it really difficult to break into new social circles or find new organizations and just find really strong communities as a sophomore. I really past, you know, that that critical point in the beginning of the freshman year. I understand what it's like to be at Stanford and not have community, and how much harder that can make the obstacles so much, so much worse. It was through that experience that I got really passionate about. How can I use the positions that I'm in and the platforms that I have to connect people and to build com- community, particularly for those who find theirse- themselves without it? Something that I definitely hadn't experienced until coming to Stanford this idea of uh, feeling just shut out from, from the rest of your peers and not finding a place that really belongs to you. When I was for here for Admit Weekend, I remember it was the ASSU people actually. They'd say, you know, everyone finds their niche at Stanford, everyone finds a part of campus that is just theirs. Um, I never really found that my first half of Stanford, Um, and that worried me. I felt like I was doing something wrong, and I quickly learned that that wasn't the truth. Um, And so I got really passionate about helping other people sort of realize that also.
0: Would you say then that you found your community and a space to talk about and think about mental health within the ASSU?
1: Absolutely. I I think that when I came to campus, I was definitely under the impression that you needed to find a certain part of campus and that was sort of your part of campus. You needed to find one organization, one niche within campus and own it. and That's where, where you belong. I definitely started my freshman year under that sort of direction. And with time, I realized that was not the best strategy. At least for me. But I'm someone who I, I wanted to, to participate in several parts of campus. I want a more of a holistic experience of what it means to be a Stanford student. Within the ASSU, I, through my own mental health experience of seeing that decline of going through campus mental health resources from CAPS to off campus referrals to the med school, psychology, psychiatrist, through going that pr- that process, I, I saw a couple things. One, I saw how difficult it was, I saw how exclusionary and sort of classist the process was, how muddied and not transparent that process was. And I saw that there were positions within campus where people could go and work on those things. The reasons why I got so interested in getting into student government at Stanford and since then mental health and just general wellness, be it mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, that's something that I've campaigned on now every year. It's been my one of the platform on my class president slates every year. The ASSU provides students with a unique opportunity to have high contact exposure with key stakeholders on this campus uh, to bring about those changes. ASU has definitely provided me with the space to not only learn more about so what this process is like at Stanford, but help communicate that in a more transparent way to my peers. I know what that's like to be on campus and feel like I realize and I acknowledge that I, I need this mental health support, which is often is the, the hardest part in the process is coming to the realization and the acceptance that this is something that you need and to feel like so lost in understanding what's the first right step where's the right place to go to. It can be tough once you get past what is often the hardest obstacle to feel so unsupported for the rest of the way.
0: What is the first right step then?
1: (laughs) It's a great question. I think it depends a lot on kind of support you need. It can depend a lot on the context to like the situation you're in. I understand that I needed this mental health support and a lot from a lot of it came from this idea of isolation. And so there's this two pronged approach where the, the first one was I needed to go and I just need to talk to someone. You know, I, I walked into CAPS and I was like, hey, I, I don't really know what the process is, but like, I kind of just want to talk to someone. At that time, the intake process was much worse than it is now. And it has gotten much better in the years that I've been here, particularly because of student input and like passionate student advocacy across multiple years of, of advocates. Uh, and the other was sort of taking it within my own responsibility to go and seek out those opportunities to meet new people, to join new organizations, to contribute to a community, build and maintain relationships. So I think that really acknowledging like the personalized nature um, of mental health and, and wellness support in general is super important. Um, something that I think a lot of organizations don't do enough. They, they try to prescribe sort of wide-reaching universal suggestions to, to support mental health without really taking into account like the unique context and identities and backgrounds that every player sort of brings to that situation.
0: What other... Groups have you found communities in? I know you work with the ASSU a
1: lot. Yeah, I know. I definitely love, love the ASSU. I'm an RA on campus. This is my second year as an RA. I'm currently staffing on campus in EVGRA. Um, and last year I was an RA in, in Meyer and Naran Hall on West Campus. When I was a Frosh, I didn't have that dorm community. And again, I knew what that was like to be in a dorm where there was, you know, everyone clicked up so hard and so fast. And there were strong social circles within the dorm community. A lot of them last to this day. And I never really found one that. I felt like I could be myself in. I never found one that I felt really was, I was accepted by. Um, and that was why I, I ended up going back to my freshman dorm to be an RA, because I know what it's like for those kids who feel so ostracized by the peers they live next door to. Um, I know how tough that can make. A time that's supposed to be the best year of your life, I, I tell my frosh that freshman fall is like a five unit course in itself. And that is made so much worse when you don't have the people there to, to support you. Um, so being an RA, the residential education community, like my fellow staff, especially this year in in EVGR with as odd of a year as it is and with as unique of a place that campus is, like that community has meant so much to me. Three professional groups on campus as well. I got really involved in the Stanford Marketing Group. I was the president of it last year. Those connections and those relationships I've made really prioritizing again, um, how can we turn this into to more of a social and a community building experience than just focus on like consulting and, and that econ finance like sort of stigma. I want it to, to be more of a community um, than a job. Those, those friends are, are people that I'll have for a really long time. I really love love that community.
0: One thing that a lot of freshmen and a lot of students are having difficulty with is finding and maintaining community since we're not around each other. What's your advice for current freshmen about finding their communities?
1: Yeah, it's great. This is the question that we as, as class presidents have been working all summer and a lot of the spring to answer. You're right. I think the difficulty now is greater than ever, but also the importance of it is greater than ever. I think that because so many people are, are facing you know, a level of isolation um, through this quarantine that is honestly unhealthy, uh, You know, the need for that community is so much greater than ever before, yet the difficulty to build it is also so much greater than ever before. You got to balance the line there. And so uh, taking advantage of the opportunities that you have to explore different avenues around campus is is super important. I've been participating in the club and activities fair today put on by the Office of Student Engagement. This is not sort of the activities fair that we have grown so, so fond to knowing, but it's definitely still a position where students can go out there and meet new people, check out new organizations and ask questions and just see another person face to face um, that isn't like within your your household. And so I think that's like a really important part is this idea of understanding that not all the opportunities are going to come to you. Stanford is not the perfect place by any means, (laughs) any student advocate will tell you that, but especially in its uh, level of communication towards students, uh, in its transparency. will not always put you in a position where you can just sit there and let all the opportunities come to you there are avenues that sometimes it's going to be your responsibility to sort of go out there and search out those opportunities but understanding that a lot of times the most cherished communities are ones where, where students really took a leap of faith the ones where they came from high school and was they weren't like you know i did x y and z in high school i liked it so i'm going to do x y and z in college as well it was more so like I've never heard of that. Sounds interesting. I'm going to try it out. Or this is something I've always wanted to do, but never had the time or the resources or just the opportunity to to, to do it. I would really encourage incoming and Frosh to take advantage of th- those opportunities as well, to try something you haven't done before. Learn something you've always wanted to learn. I think it's like, it's a great, that's, you know, one of the best parts about college is a great opportunity for incoming freshmen.
0: I absolutely agree. I think one of the new things for me was um, getting involved in a singing group. I'm not an cappella. I love those groups though. I did audition for and get into a symphonic choir. I was the only undergraduate student in a group of like 180 adults, but it was still a very fulfilling experience. And one of the people in my section actually took me out to dinner after a concert. So Wow, that's that awesome. Nice. Yeah, um, that's great. That's so, a great example
1: of one of those opportunities of just going out there and, and doing something you wanted to do for a while.
0: Yeah. So transitioning to class presidents. When I was a freshman, I kind of realized that there was a Frosh Council, sort of, and then I kind of realized that there was an ASSU, but I thought they just gave groups money. So what do you think is the bridge between class presidencies and the ASSU?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. It's one that it's a question that I don't think has been asked enough by the ASSU, uh, but it's something that, at least this year, it's been great to see. More attempts are being made to at least answer it. I believe that class presidents have the closest ear to the ground, uh, the pulse on the community. In terms of student representatives, when I think uh, most students think of, I need to reach out to a, a student representative. I think that they often go towards their class cabinet, their class presidents, because these are the organizations that are throwing events. You know, sometimes once a week, every other week, they're throwing some of the most memorable events of someone's Stanford experience. I have the opportunity to work on full moon on the quad, mausoleum, frosh formal, you know, these types of real Stanford tradition type events that really stick with students. When students have grievances, concerns, or suggestions and praises, they come to the class presidents in their class cabinet to really like voice themselves. I um, mean, we found a lot of our job in to listen and then pass that on to the right person. Um, I think that a lot of the goal of the ASSU is to look at more of a high level university-wide stakeholders. For example, the Undergraduate Senate, you know, they're balancing all undergraduate students. Our class cabinet has the opportunity to really hone in on what are the needs of our grades and how can we fulfill those needs? And those need changes every year. It changes based on how old we are, what year we're in, what the climate is like right now. For example, this year we're looking a lot post-Stanford. We're looking at entering the job market in a recession. We're looking at general recruitment. We're looking at virtual education. These are things that as sophomore class presidents, we never had to, to think about. I, I really think that when it comes to what are student needs right now, what are ways we can go about solving those student needs? People within our grade saying about certain events, certain opportunities. That's when class presidents can really come in and play a really important role. I think that we have the most face-to-face time and we build a lot of, a lot of trust within our, our grade. You know, Our job is to build community. Our job is to connect people, uh, to build and maintain relationships, to build and maintain friendships, and also to spread information, to advocate on behalf of students. Um, A lot of the work that we do is down in the weeds with students more so than I think a lot of the ASSU has the opportunity to do. I work more so with students than with administrators and not a lot of ASSU members can say that. Um, I think we're very lucky to be able to say that. I think that when it comes to the role of students on this campus and the needs of students on this campus, class cabinets in general, you know, we got our ear to the ground on that.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think this is a good opportunity to say I was talking to the executive committee earlier, and we want to advocate for people. It's just that we don't always hear about what needs advocating for. So we have our issues that we're passionate about, for example, reducing the amount of discrimination on campus. But we also want to do things that have more tangible results. So hopefully we'll be able to get more involved with the class presidents this year. And I don't want to volunteer you for stuff, but I hope you don't (laughs) mind being a part of that process.
1: Well, I think a great example is I'll be sitting... on the executive cabinet as a representative of the class presidents to the ASSU executive cabinet. And that's a good example of where can class presidents like resources and voices be used to advocate to the ASSU in terms of like how can these these policies these issue areas be more widely advocated for. It doesn't mean that the areas that the ASSU prioritizes now are wrong or, or bad or miseducated. I just think that it means that there's a key stakeholder that they don't always consider as much as I think they should.
0: Well, it's not necessarily that we don't consider things. It's just that sometimes we don't hear from student voices enough, and that's not really the fault of us or students at all. It's just that we're trying to figure out how to get ourselves out there so that students know that we exist. But what kinds of events are you guys planning this year? Obviously, Full Moon on the Quad is a little difficult.
1: Yeah, so across the class presence for, for at least the three grades we have now because Frost Council hasn't yet been formed, We've been working a lot on in terms of what are our roles and responsibilities for this year Has it changed from last year and then what kind of events can we can we throw to make sure that we understand the needs of our peers and can help them in a more effective way than I think we have in previous years? I think that for an example of that, class presidents generally have tended to Play more so to the event throwing and community building side than these more uh, policy or legislative or even advocacy side uh, in regards to student government. And that's something that we've seen really take a 180 in the last two or three years, where now a lot of the events have been put on by class presidents and will continue to be are much more like Ones that at least my cabinet has worked on previously has been uh, community discussions with the Title IX, the SARA office, and CST talk over frequently asked questions and concerns between students and administrators in those offices in a town hall-like format. Uh, an event with it's called Demystifying CAPS where we met with CAPS counselors, not administrators who come to these events with very scripted responses, but actual like boots on the ground counselors and ask them uh, questions, myths that can be sort of answered as someone who's who's there working every day. Events with the bridge to connect students with more mental health like opportunities and resources. We implemented community service in uh, full moon the quad last year by bringing Stanford Housing Justice to the event where we made over 300 sanitation and hygiene kits for uh, members of the homeless community in the Bay Area, and then we partnered with them to go distribute those kits to homeless members in the city of San Francisco. And so I think that these are types of events that five, ten years ago, you didn't really see thrown by class presidents. Class president events were much more like welcome backs and dances and stuff. But I think that there's been so much of an interest and a need for real hardcore advocacy. Um, and again, we, these class cabinets are the body that a lot of students are going to when they need advocacy when they need their voice to be heard on a larger platform. One thing that we're paying close attention to this year is where we can play our role in fighting for racial equality on our campus, in our country. One thing that the senior class cabinet agreed upon is to use our platform and our social capital to really elevate the voices and the work and the talents of our peers, particularly our peers who are uh, from, from marginalized backgrounds and and our people of color within our grade. This includes a black talent show. We're looking at throwing some pretty major like concerts that feature student artists within our grade. So again, how can we use the platform that we have to provide an opportunity for our peers to express themselves to the rest of the grade, to the school, to the world? That's something that I think that we can really do. Also we have pretty large budgets and the money that we have can go a long way. Last year we donated the entirety of our spring operating budget to the ASSU fund that was was going to support members of our school who were displaced uh, by COVID. So again, I think that you're seeing this shift in across all class presidents from uh, event throwing uh, to advocacy. And it's something that I think is long overdue, especially right now. I think it's a good example of how in tune we are with students and student needs uh, that we were able to really accurately see what are the needs of our peers right now and and how can we address those. One thing that the virtual environment has provided us the opportunity to do is collaborate with other schools more so. For example, this summer we've been in talks with the class president teams at Yale and Princeton um, and Harvard, um, talk about cross-school collaborations. So for example, like a speed dating uh, between sophomores or seniors or juniors at Stanford and at Princeton. We were thinking about doing this virtual picnic environment between uh, members of of different schools. So it's definitely encouraged us to think outside the box of our traditional event throwing format. And that's been, it's had a lot of pros uh, in terms of the impact we're going to be able to have this year.
0: I love all of those ideas and I'm hoping that we are able to advertise any sort of Across school events across the schools and so we can start getting an advocacy organization that eventually will be maybe national going
1: absolutely yeah that, i think that's sort of the, the long-term vision we had was a couple of class presidents from, from stanford we, we started this platform to sort of have open communication amongst class presidents from across the country we've got people from from duke uh from berkeley um to sort of ideate brainstorm events talk about tips and tricks that we've learned that type of like cross class president collaboration amongst schools across the country is super helpful in and- giving us ideas as well as figuring out what's the most and least effective ways of, of doing that. Couple events we'll be having this year from that is a, a virtual self-defense workshop, uh, a hygiene workshop, uh, where uh, we're gonna bring in a, an authoritative voice from the medical school to talk about myths and questions around all things hygiene in regards to masks, effectiveness of masks, hand sanitizers, vaccines, etc. Uh, self-compassion workshops, a ton of really great ideas that we've gotten not only the idea from, but also best practices from this like cross-school collaboration
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense and i would love to have speaking of medical stuff i would love to have someone from caps on here just to get a little bit of discussion going about mental health because we don't talk about it enough
1: absolutely i think that's a great idea
0: so i also wanted to ask you what is one campus issue that you feel really passionate about
1: the intersection of community building and mental health and the part that community building plays in building one's mental health and overall wellness is something that I don't think has been prioritized enough at Stanford. I don't think it's been advocated for enough at Stanford. Um, it's been It's one issue area that I definitely didn't put much thought into until coming to the school and, and really seeing what a lack of community really does to, to one's mental health. So that I'd say is one area that I've always been interested in. It's really why I'm in student government. It's why I, I want to stay in it as long as I can. This idea of how can we use community to promote mental health and general wellness across campus yeah. especially in those populations of campus who are often marginalized forgotten left behind
0: or who are still on campus right now
1: that's a good example of, of those students yeah
0: so have you heard of the stanford report i have not interesting so when i was browsing around various stanford publications i found a thing called the stanford report and it's a thing that's published presumably by faculty and administration that is kind of like a
1: Oh, it's their like daily yeah, only news only email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Okay, sorry. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I was looking through it, and there are very few student headlines. They're always talking about the Hoover Institution or the med school, which is great. But this goes out to a lot of parents, and it goes out to a lot of faculty, and a lot of those people read it, except my parents. But, um, <laughs> but there's nothing about students. Sometimes they'll have a headline that says like the graduate student council and the undergraduate senate have done a joint resolution about insert topic here but that's about it would you say that there needs to be more student representation in a publication like this so that faculty and presumably parents are made more aware
1: Absolutely. no. I think that's, that's a that's a great call out. I think that in publications like that, especially that are being read by like key administrators, key faculty members and and just staff across campus, it's super important to have as much student representation and advocacy as possible. And students on this campus undergraduate and graduate, you know, they really shape so many of the the best and the worst parts of what this campus is. And I think that the, obviously like of so much importance to that people all over the campus, regardless of their role in like university operations, has a, have a strong understanding of like what are students saying right now? What what are students worried about right now? What do they care about right now? So yeah, I absolutely think that a publication like that with who its readership typically is super important to have more student advocacy on that, or just student representation in general.
0: So when my parents dropped me off at Stanford, it was kind of just like, a, okay, we'll make the bed for you this once, but you get to do it the rest of the year. And then, I got together with my dorm staff and I talked to them a little bit and then my parents kind of just left and said okay have fun kid (laughs) but I think that parents would feel more inclined to call their children to text their children to email their children if they knew what issues are important to us and what issues aren't being taken care of and I think that parents would be more inclined to help advocate for the students in general I'm hoping that there can be more representation of these kinds of issues in publications like The Stanford Report. But do you think there's also anything that The Daily can do? And Right now, as far as I'm aware, the target audience is generally students, and of course the faculty read the important stuff. But do you think that there's anything that, that The Daily or The Fountain Hopper or anything like that can do to try to make other audiences more aware of things?
1: It's a great point. I think that especially that, that idea of parents being more willing to reach out and even advocate if they are made more aware of the parts of campus that are like receiving the, the more, most and least attention right now and the issues that are most prominent on campus, that's a great call out. My mother, in, in sort of contrast to yours, is really the opposite where she takes a super active role in my life, especially at Stanford. I'm from the Bay Area and my mom is the, the vice president of the Parents Club. And one of the things they do is they deliver like cookies and treats and stuff to, parents, to students on their birthday if their parents have the opportunity to, to buy it for them. Last year when we were on campus and the year before that, my mom was on campus nearly every day <laughs> delivering wow. to the dorm. She was in the dorms talking to students. She got really in tune with what is campus like? <laughs> what are students talking about? Where are students? What are the, the different parts of campus called? It's so weird to be using like Stanford lingo and stuff with my own mom. <laughs> It's something that I'm definitely fortunate to have a mom who who's so involved with it. But in contrast, you're totally right. I think that the opportunity for students to feel like more connected or, or for parents to feel more connected with the environment that they're, they're trusting to keep their kids safe. One thing that as student advocates, we've come to learn is that the voices of alumni are also particularly important. When advocating for a large change in an event, the alumni voice is critical. A good example of that is last year, we made a lot of changes to Full Moon and Quad. And really the only question that we were getting was, what do you think alumni will think of this? I think the university primarily thinks of this in terms of like donations and public sentiment, publications sort of targeting alumni in terms of here are instances where students could really use your help uh, for advocating. That would be super helpful. I can definitely think that as a student advocate. A lot of times these issues come down to how much alumni support can we get? And it can be really difficult to know, like where do we go to for alumni? A lot of Stanford's most prominent and wealthy alumni are reserved for members of Greek life, especially for non-members of Greek life. How can we have that opportunity to have exposure and connection to alumni? So I think that that would be an interesting priority for publications to have like an opportunity for alumni to understand where our student advocacy efforts on a high level focusing right now, and what role can they play? Who can they email? Where can they send their money or their voice to? That would be really helpful, at least from an advocate's point of view.
0: Right, especially because SSE didn't become independent until 1995, I think. That would be embarrassing if I got that wrong on a podcast. (laughs) So, And I think that this is, communication is just increasingly important, especially right now. I also think that there are a lot of administration who do care. They just don't know where to put that caring and that energy in, which is why I had Susie on last month. How do you think though, that this lack of communication to outer sources of advocacy has affected campus culture?
1: I think that it's really put a lot of the burden on recent alumni to organize these efforts to increase communication, to rally their peers from their graduating year and the ones before and after them. Because this is sort of most salient to them, they just left campus. They don't want their passion towards affordable housing or mental health or building community to expire just when their Stanford career expires. They want to continue these efforts on campus with campus administrators. I think there are few administrators on this campus who would be unwilling to listen and reason with students who care enough about a subject to come and advocate to them. It's always been my experience that if there's something that students care about and I go to an administrator with it, they're willing to listen and talk through compromises and solutions to that. Explain rationale, answer questions even. It's put a lot of the burden on these recent alumni who still care so passionate about these topics.
0: Yeah, and also recent alumni are less likely to be rich. (laughs) Yeah, it's very true. I hate to put it that way, but (laughs) it seems like wealthy people right now, especially, have the voice and the power, which is unfortunate. How do you think that this lack of coverage has affected the Stanford community, especially right now? The Daily has definitely made an emphasis on self-care and publishing things that talk about self-care, but those are in the op-ed section. We don't really talk about it in the news section and I don't want to call them out because I have a lot of good friends there, but, (laughs) but how do you think that publications like the daily could talk about community issues a little more?
1: Yeah. I mean, journalism has historically in this, in this country played a central role in shaping public discourse through their editorial processes. These publications have served as like gatekeepers they choose what to amplify. And you know, many critics have have challenged their power and their authority to do so over the years. Ideally, newsrooms reflect the norms and priorities of society, but that definitely has not worked perfectly. I I think that by choosing what to cover and not to cover, they are sort of making a, a statement of what they believe is important and not important. I think that a lot of the communities on campus who have things that are affecting them, be it negative or positive, or shaping the campus in some way, be it negative or, po- or positive, can feel really excluded or included, feel really valued or unvalued based on whether or not their event, their identity gets any level of coverage. I think that, that's definitely where where I see the impact that coverage has on our campus, especially by the daily, is really providing value to certain organizations, certain advocacy areas, certain identities. A lot of times this value is, can be, sort of like you are pointing out, misjudged.
0: My last question for you then, because unfortunately we're running out of time today, (laughs) um, (laughs) but my last question for you is, do you have any advice for administrators, for media groups, for students when it comes to community building and mental health, since those are issues that you feel very passionate about and that a lot of people should put more time into thinking about?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I believe that administrators are more often than not more than willing to sit down to a student and listen to them if they have questions or comments or concerns. That if someone like Susie was to to reach out to an undergraduate senator or someone on the graduate student council who has been doing a lot of work in this field and ask just for their opinions. Just ask questions. Run ideas by them. They wouldn't see a lot of friction on. They're not gonna get rejected from that opportunity. One part of Stanford's incredibly decentralized format that has negative effects on student life is uh, its level of transparency, where oftentimes students aren't made aware of big, impactful university decisions until the decision has been made, meaning that students are are rarely involved in the decision-making process of a lot of these decisions reaching out to students and offering an opportunity for these students to voice their opinion, their ideas, to ask or answer questions, to be a part of these processes could go such a long way in this idea of accountability and transparency and communication. Letting students know what decisions are in the process of being made would go so much further than sending a student an email out of nowhere, being like, this is the decision that's been made, by the way, And students didn't even know that that was sort of on the chopping block of what could happen in their future. I think we saw that a lot with COVID and all of these major university decisions being made from sending us home to inviting us back and then not inviting us back, Campus Compact to go virtual, the grading policies. That's all stuff that there was very little student input but also very little student presence in those decision-making circles. And we weren't even made aware that a lot of those decisions were were happening until the decision had been made. more student input and transparency in every step of the process, not just at the destination, can again, go so far.
0: That is a good note, I think, to end on. Obviously, I would like to end with the fact that the ASSU and class presidents are here to be your advocates. We're also here to help uplift your voice. So if you want to advocate for yourself, we're also very happy to help you with that process as much as we possibly can. So of course, please feel free to email anyone that you know who's connected with us. And also, if you have more general questions, uh, there is communications at assu.stanford.edu. And I will respond to you as quickly as I'm able to. Thank you so much for joining us today, David.
1: Of course, thank you again so much for for inviting me and letting me speak.
0: All right, that was one of our senior class presidents, David Pantera. What a wonderful interview. I'm Cricket Bidelman. Please feel free to email any questions, comments, or concerns to communications at assu.stanford.edu. Thanks so much and have a great day.